Finds Caldwell Pope. Caldwell Pope for three. A big one is up. No good. And another offensive rebound for the Lakers. This time Rondo. 3-1 series lead in the Western Conference Finals. An offensive rebounding story for the Lakers. Good morning and welcome to the Daily Ding. Happy Friday morning. We have all your playoff action from Lakers Nuggets on Thursday night. I'm Jared Weiss. I'm joined by Dave Dufour and Trayvon Edwards with Andrew Schlecht spacing the audio out to the weak side corner. Do not miss the exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. You can subscribe now and save with The Athletic by going to theathletic.com slash daily ding where you can receive an all-access subscription for just one dollar a month one measly dollar a month the sports they're back and you just you don't want to miss any of the breaking stories on your favorite teams so you just go to theathletic.com slash daily ding to receive an all-access subscription for just one dollar a month so coming up on today's show AD comes out firing, Jamal Murray is still flying, and Rondo's taper is just way too high. But first, the Nuggets, they finally had the Lakers right where they want them, up 3-1 to one because the Lakers won this game 114-108. to 108. Anthony Davis, he had everything to begin this game, but it was not the big man's shooting. It was the big man's rebounding that defined this game, Dave. More second-chance points in another game in the conference finals really defining this one. Yeah, and especially after, as we talked about on the ding the other night, how awful they were in Game 3. You know, they just came out in that game so flat, and it was actually nice to see, kind of refreshing, that they had this renewed vigor on the glass. I mean, they dominated and I mean, I think it starts with Dwight Howard and LeBron in the first quarter and just the way they really they they attack the glass. You know, and Trey, uh, last time I was on the show with Dave, we talked a lot about how we wanted to see Dwight Howard starting the game. I'd imagine you'd probably agree that move went pretty well for Frank Vogel. Absolutely. He gave uh an 8 and 8 performance early on in the first quarter. Um, I thought he was on pace to have a tremendous game, but like 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 Dave said, those early rebounds started the initiative for the Lakers to establish some, you know, effectiveness in the game. The last game, Anthony Davis, JaVel McGee, and Dwight Howard total for a total of four rebounds. And this game, uh, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and LeBron James had a total of 25 rebounds. So um, different type of ball game, and, and the Lakers pretty much dominated the offensive rebound area. I mean, second chance points, 25-6 to six in Denver's favor. They showed Mike Malone at halftime on the broadcast talking about how this was something that the that the Nuggets needed to turn around because there was a huge disparity at halftime. But then cut to the end, and it was the same thing. AD reaching above Denver to tip out a couple balls to save the possession. I don't think they scored off the first one, but then LeBron drew a foul on the mm-hmm. second one. He got to the line. Him and Davis both got to the line 14 times. They converted pretty consistently in this one. Um, I mean, you know, it's 2020, so, you know, modern NBA basketball, double bigs. We're talking about second chance points. <laughs> this is the stuff that we've been look, you know, moving towards forever here, right? It's funny. It's funny that it was like a throwback. I mean, I, I'm enjoying the 80s right now as well. So it's a very they should be doing vaporwave aesthetics and everything on these broadcasts. Uh, but Andrew, I, I want to get your take as someone who has seen a lot of, I guess, big ball as somebody around the thunder for a while. 
what do you think of the way that the Lakers and the Nuggets have seemed to kind of, I guess, gum up basketball here where it's really they're playing above the rim of their bigs? Yeah, it's been interesting to watch. I mean, really, those those tap out boards there at the end were just such back breaking plays. I mean, you even saw it on the face of like Jamal Murray at the end, who is giving everything he's got. I mean, just maybe one of the best like bad shot takers in the NBA now, just watching him just make these just outrageous shots. But just seeing the look on his face after like those boards, you're just like, I mean, come on. Like it really just, it really did kind of break the nuggets there at the end. Not only did it, did it kill their chance to win the game, but you could just kind of see like the, how demoralized they were after that. And uh, you know, you don't get there without playing your big guys and, Anthony Davis, who we thought, I mean, I thought he was hurt bad. The way he rolled that ankle. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then the way he was able to pop back up, like nothing happened. I, I wonder if we're going to hear about that later. Because, you know, a lot of times guys can stay in games after they roll an ankle, but uh, they may swell up afterwards. So, that, to me, that's something to keep to keep an eye on. But a huge credit to Anthony Davis and his toughness. A brutal yeah. non-contact oh, foul by right. Millsap. I mean, it, right. it's amazing how hard... You know, he was in that landing area, but somehow didn't touch him. Mm-hmm. I don't get why they didn't challenge that. So not only was I don't know. Millsap, did he not make contact with him? Millsap yeah. was standing there before Davis took off. Millsap didn't right. even move into the space. It was that I, I tweeted this when the play happened. If you can review a play for a flagrant and you see that the play wasn't even a foul, you should be able right. to take away the foul. Well, but also I think Malone made a mistake not challenging it. It went from a good defensive possession to two free throws and points. I, I feel like Malone could have been a little bit more aggressive there. But again, like um, it just seems to be a theme. I, I'm really not trying to harp on the refs. I thought they were pretty good in this game overall. But I think Malone made quite a few mistra- mistakes down the stretch, that, that being one of them. Uh, the extreme Plumley minutes were... Well, so here's the thing. Thing. So I talked on the last time I was on about how I'd be really interested to see the Nuggets counter the double big lineup by going Plumlee and Jokic together. And that that uh, unit played, I believe, eight possessions, and they ended up even, plus minus a zero on those possessions. So it, it was a gamble that didn't end up hurting them, that didn't end up really achieving anything for them. Uh, but we, we saw that, you know, Millsap was certainly a lot more effective out there when he was able to get out there. But I want to turn towards some of the great moves that Vogel made. And the big one, Trey, being LeBron covering Jamal Murray at the end there. And we saw Jamal try to drive on him, did an incredible job of being able to get to the rack. But then LeBron getting some very physical stops, which frankly, I haven't had a chance to watch the replay on them because for some reason, the broadcast never showed us the replay. Uh, but Jamal ended up crashing to the floor on both of those plays. And then the Lakers were able to score, go and you know make a play in transition and kind of help recontrol that lead there, Trey. Well, I thought it was very important that LeBron made that switch um, just to take Le- take Jamal Murray pretty much out of his game. Um, there was one questionable drive where there was contact after the attempt and maybe should have gotten a whistle, um, but I don't think that dictates the game. Um, Denver on the other side got really lazy and gave up tons of offensive rebounds those last three minutes, and that pretty much dictated the game overall because those second attempts – Although they were trailing by three or five, they never really woke up and felt like they really wanted it. So it was their game to lose. And 
you know, obviously Mike Malone made a comment that if you don't play defense, you don't play. So that, was, that maybe was a shot at Michael Porter Jr. early on as, you know, we were talking about, you know, him having 13 points and shooting efficiently, but he's not playing defense, so he doesn't get on the floor. Dave, do you agree with that? Because you felt like he made some decent plays, at least on defense. Yeah, I thought he was fine. Uh, I, I think, you know, Plumlee was was bad defensively tonight. Torrey Craig has not been good all series defensively. Um, it's and, been a and somehow it's, Yeah, he's not he's not been good. I mean, they, they've had issues in players that are worse than what Michael Porter Jr., especially tonight, because I thought tonight he was pretty solid. I mean, he's going to fall asleep on some stuff, and, and Kuzma is smart enough to take advantage of it. But they they can't replicate his offense. And so, you know, unless Torrey Craig is secretly the next coming of, you know, Alex English, which Michael Porter Jr. <laughs> kind of plays like, you know, the way he tries to score, I just don't get how you how you could make a case for Craig over Porter uh, in that circumstance, especially because defensively, I don't think Craig is really that much different. Well, I mean, Jeremy Grant's been doing a pretty nice Alex English impression, frankly, in this series. But uh, we did see Monty Morris get a lot of the uh, closing minutes there. He came in a little bit past halfway through the third quarter, and then he never came back out of the game. I thought that was a very interesting decision. And he got them some crucial buckets for sure. I thought it was a nice gamble, and it was able, and I guess it helped Denver to a degree keep up with the incredible you know, pressure and force and pace that L.A. was playing with at the end. But at the end of the day, this really kind of turned into a superstar battle between LeBron and Jamal Murray. And for all the incredible shots that Jamal was making, and he just continues to find ways to create good looks for himself or hit terrible looks either way at the end of games, and he really deserves credit for that. But we did see LeBron kind of flip that switch at the end there and really take over, Dave. I mean, it's what he does, right? He's LeBron. He's LeBron. Yeah. We're we're familiar. Like, we shouldn't be surprised. And it's funny because he looks kind of, he looked kind of tired up until the last few minutes of the fourth. And so it's either he's digging deep to get the, you know, that extra energy to finish the game, or he's playing rope a dope and just kind of taking it easy until he needs to use that burst. But either way, I mean, you know, LeBron, one of the greatest to ever play. Um, this is what he does. And it's it's a nice luxury to have a guy like Anthony Davis out there. I mean, Trey AD was pretty solid, right? Absolutely. He got them rolling from the jump. You know, he was very efficient the first quarter um, despite him going down, and we hope that he's okay to continue to play in the next game. Um, was very effective, got aggressive, and did what he's supposed to do. And he was brought in, he's brought to the Lakers for a reason. You know, um, LeBron can only do so much, and he's the youth. And he's playing at the biggest stage of his career at this moment. You know, early in the season he hit – I mean, early in the series he hit a big shot, and he's continuing to raise his play um, with the mismatches. I don't think anyone on Denver Nuggets um, roster can guard him, but vice versa, I don't think anybody on the Los Angeles Lakers roster could guard Jamal Murray. So it kind of trades off, but guys need more, especially on the Nuggets end. Um, and cliche-wise, you know, the Nuggets have been grateful to come back on a 3-1 deficit in the previous rounds, but I'm not sure if they have enough firepower for the Los Angeles Lakers. So um, Anthony Davis, despite whatever his status is going into the next game, I think the Lakers close this out. Yeah, and we should definitely just state it straightforward because I'm sure people are like, why are we talking about Anthony Davis's status? 
these guys, they get this adrenaline rush, they sprain their ankle, they come out there and they play through it, and then the next day they get an MRI and they see they have torn ligaments and they have a grade two ankle sprain. So, you know, we'll we'll see what happens with Anthony Davis. If he doesn't play, obviously there's a chance here, but I mean, the teams that the Nuggets were coming back against, those teams had some significant flaws and the Lakers, while they certainly do have some flaws, they have done, I mean, Vo- give Vogel credit. I think he's done a great job of somehow managing these rotations to find the right firepower when it's needed and have lineups that can at least play off of each other very well. And then, of course, LeBron and AD have just been fantastic in this series. Uh, but, Andrew, it's the second half of the episode. And when it's the second half, it's playoff Rondo time. And we saw another just winning play full second half performance from Rondo. He had 11 points, seven assists, five rebounds. He passed Scotty Pippen to become eighth in playoff assist rankings, career history. He's now behind Steve Nash of all people. Uh, Andrew, just what did you think of Rondo's performance? I thought he was spectacular down the stretch. I mean, he made that, that mid range jump shot, which was very timely and it came off of he LeBron. Was Oh, he's all alone. But also LeBron, the prior possession was all alone as well. And Jokic just left him out there. And LeBron just bricks that shot. was a, was a little strange to see. Well, I don't know LeBron. why they're guarding him. They're not. They really I, I, weren't. They, they have, though. So they've. They, I thought that they were pressing up a little bit too high on him, given how his jumper has been in this series. That LeBron sure. three kind of you know being the one where he really did sag off. Yes. Yeah. And, and there have been times where I think that they're trying to bait him into coming into the mid range, so it's an even you know lower PPP shot. Mm-hmm. Um, and we saw that a few times tonight. I, I mean, they would live with LeBron shooting jump shots for the rest of the series. I mean, which might just be one more game, but that's a good defensive strategy. That that's like a victory for your offense if he's taking those shots. Yeah, no, it is, and I, and I think they probably celebrated a little bit when Rondo took that shot, but that was. That was a, another one of those big plays for the Lakers down the stretch that kind of gave them a little bit of breathing room. Uh, that and his his layup down the stretch too, which was nice, like your classic Rondo fake uh, to the basket. But he, I mean, he's just as cool and calm. I think that that's why LeBron wanted to play with them down the stretch. I mean, you're looking for the guys. I mean, LeBron does this probably better than anybody. He's looking for the guys who, who can play with him in the last five minutes of a playoff game. And people laugh at the Rondo signing and make fun of it. But down the stretch, like he's not going to make a ton of mistakes. And you, you saw tonight kind of why he's wearing a Lakers uniform. Well, you know, it's funny. I, I, talk, I talk about him a lot as being the adult on the court. Mm-hmm. He's the other guy that you can trust to make a post-entry pass to Anthony Davis, right? Like it's LeBron and Rondo. Like He knows his role, and it's pretty amazing for a guy who – at his peak was as talented as Rondo was. Um, and, and then they keep leaving him open to shoot and he's going to shoot. And, and sometimes he's going to make shots and, you know, you get a night like tonight where he's going to hit one in the clutch and it's the only three he took, but it was a huge three. And, and so, you know, he's just a, yeah, I, I called Monte Morris a professional basketball player, meaning like that guy just <laughs> goes to work. You know, he's committed two turnovers in this whole series. Well, Rondo is kind of the model of that, I think. And that's why he's been so big for the Lakers. I mean, he's a guy that you can trust to not get out there and get tight when the game is close. And having those guys is valuable. Usually a series can come down to which team has more of those guys or not. Mm-hmm. And for for those out there that are a little young to just remember what Rondo was like in his 
absolute prime because his prime was pretty early in his career. The first playoff run that I covered was the 2012 Celtics where he went up against LeBron at his absolute peak in the playoffs in the conference finals. And Rondo played him pretty evenly. I mean, Rondo was what was playing at an MVP caliber at that point. Rondo was at one point an absolute top player in the NBA when it was playoff time and he had to really elevate his game. And to your point, Dave, Rondo just throughout his career has always been one of those guys that when you get to the playoffs and you get the crunch time in a conference finals game, he thrives off of that kind of pressure and he plays it's, I don't know if he plays with more composure, but everyone else plays with less composure and he still stays at that high level. And so we saw him throwing like that that great baseline right-handed wraparound pass to get into the paint. Um, just having having the positioning right to hand off to LeBron who was streaking behind the play in transition at the end there. He just he can he can see the floor with calmness and patience in moments when everybody else is kind of panicking. Yeah, he's the adult on the court. Mm-hmm. Is there somebody better that can, that can be on the court for the Lakers than Markeith Morris? Oh, for sure. Uh, Jason Kidd? <laughs> <laughs> Frank Vogel? I just don't I, understand that move. Like, I, I mean, I, uh, anybody, pretty much? <laughs> Legitimately. Um, Why can't you just play Kuzma. Caruso there? You know, Or Caruso. Or, yeah. or, or Caruso. You know, yeah. get, get another uh, guy out there that can switch a little bit on the wing. Good, solid defender. I, I just... It, it, that one befuddles me. I, I'm not seeing what Morris is doing in those moments better than what Kuzma would be doing, who is a similar size and similar skill set. I don't think Morris is locking anybody down defensively. He's not getting any switches on the perimeter where he's taking a guard out of his game. He's not picking up Jokic or anything like that. It just doesn't. I don't really see what he's doing out there that makes him more valuable than Kuzma or obviously Caruso as they brought him in at the end there. So no the, idea. I asked the question because I have no idea. I've yeah, I don't get it either. Happening. I mean, this is sort of like trying to parse Plumley minutes, you know, like, yeah, I, I have no idea. You, you can't just do anything else. Yeah. Well, we'll see how he fares against Bam Adebayo in crunch time. Hey, I'm Taz Malice of No Dunks on the Athletic. Do you want to walk into a room with your chest puffed out, your neck long, and your shoulders broad? Of course you do. For me, getting clothes that fit properly can give me the confidence I need to do just that. Indochino hooked me up with the gear that fits perfectly. I dreaded getting dressed for my Zoom meetings, but now I change for each one with a big smile on my face. I did a virtual fitting on Indochino's slick website for them to get my measurements. I didn't have to talk to a single human. There are so many options. Here are a few I chose. A long shirt, because I tuck it in. I got a no dunks monogram, and I decided against the shirt pocket. I sincerely did not think that custom fit clothing was this affordable, and all customizations are included in the cost. The website keeps your measurements on file so you never have to re-enter them. The best part, Indochino suits start at just $2.99 with all customizations included. Indochino is a no-brainer if you're getting married. Visit one of the Indochino showrooms across North America or book a virtual appointment like I did and shop online at Indochino.com. And right now, you'll get $30 off any purchase of $3.99 or more when you enter code TAS, not ASS, TAS, T-A-S, at checkout. That's Indochino.com, promo code 
contacts. Talking about erectile dysfunction is just not easy. Usually we just brush it off or we blame ourselves saying things like, I lost my mojo, or we avoid it altogether with excuses like I had a long day at work, or sorry honey, I'm just not feeling it, or Jamal Murray just hit a three in my face. But with Roman, it's easy to talk about it. Because with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, it's safe, and it's totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. And if medication is appropriate, Roman will just ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process, it's straightforward, it's simple, and again, it is discreet. So getting started, it's simple. Just go to getroman.com slash ding and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. So complete an online visit today and connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to getroman.com slash ding today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That is getroman.com slash ding. Getroman.com slash ding. Uh, last thing's a touch on this game. Jokic, he was in foul trouble for much of this night. He ends up with 16 points, seven rebounds, four assists. This was probably the most flaccid, I guess, we've seen Jokic in the entire playoff run. He was, for the most part, kind of a non-entity in this one. Trey, what happened to him tonight besides the foul trouble? And what do we need to see Denver change? Because this is alarming that we saw him get taken out of his game against the zone in uh, the previous game, but that was not happening tonight. Yeah, I just think that he's been just really struggling with the adjustment. Sometimes he has a good game, sometimes he doesn't, and it's just been super inconsistent, but very effective towards his team because he's a very vital piece. Um, Jamal Murray can't do it alone, and in this particular sp- situation like if he's not making shots or he's not finding guys and the guys that he's finding aren't making shots and he's not effective then he's just he gets played off the floor he's not he's not super athletic and the tricks of the trades kind of burn out and that's pretty much what's happening you know at this point it's not trying to take away or call him a fraud or anything because he's a damn good player mm-hmm. probably one of the best bigs in the league but the Lakers is just that good of a team you know and they, they rotate and they, they make adjustments and tire him down. And they send another guy and another guy and another guy to beat him up. And Jokic gets really frustrated when it's physical play. Um, and most of the time you see him making kind of incredible shots or him having a hot hand. It's just because there's no contact involved. But when his contact is... Uh, we completely of- disagree, Trey. I, I don't think I've ever said this to you. But we completely disagree. On what part? He's actually been... He's just been incredibly consistent this entire playoff run. Nah, I'm not rolling. Now, this is but I mean, it's just true. I mean, I, like you can look at the numbers, you can look at the games. I mean, he's been incredibly consistent. So, what I take back this on was this, a, day. this was a rough game. I think he didn't shoot enough in this game. It was one of the big problems, but he was clearly taken out of it by getting into the foul trouble. I mean, it's a smart move. I think starting Dwight actually really helps get him on his way, right, to six fouls. So, but, how is that a good um, game? Listen, he doesn't get no, the this attempts wasn't if, a good he's, if he's played off the floor. Well, with the fouls. But I'm saying this wasn't That's a good what I'm game. saying. I, I, like he, overall, this is the first two, bad is, game he's had. This is two though. games in a row that he's been played off the floor because of fouls and because of physicality. 
So I don't think it's really consistency on that matter because he would just make adjustments. And the fact that, you know, Dwight Howard has found a way to get him out of that or get him in a scenario where he's frustrated to pick up those mixed league fouls or they're questionable fouls sometimes that I don't think that he deserves the fouls. But he has to be mindful. It's the same way with Giannis Antetokounmpo, where you're like, you got three fouls. I'm going to leave you out there because I trust you to not make that silly foul. And it's normally like a tie-up or something that he's just making that, that plays him off the floor. So I don't find it as yeah, consistency. No, that's a lot. I'm not yeah. trying to, like, debate it. Um, but, you know, I can't, I can't pump my chest and say that he's been super consistent when his team drastically needs him on the floor. I mean, they're, first of all, they're not in this position if he, if he wasn't as good as he's been the whole playoffs, right? Like, they don't make the conference right, finals. Right, right, but I'm just talking about this right? series alone. But in the in this series, coming into this game, he was averaging 24 points a game. Pretty good, uh, including a 30-point game, too. And clearly, he's been in foul trouble the whole time. I mean, that's this is, this is kind of a matchup nightmare for him athletically. He's a step behind Dwight. He's a step behind AD. And... <laughs> Good God, it's ugly when he gets onto LeBron, right? But like we all know that, like there's an athletic limitation for Jokic, which is part of why Malone doesn't trust him once he picks up those fouls, because he plays a half a step behind defensively. Just he's just not <laughs> doesn't have lateral quickness, Absolutely. doesn't have foot speed, doesn't have any of that Absolutely. stuff, right? So, but it's still like so an empty shell. Styles makes Dave, fight. Is what I'm saying is that. I'm not watching the box score. You know, I mean, I was guilty of that with Giannis saying like, well, look, guys are going to still kill him even though he had this. No, you don't win. It don't matter. You know what I mean? And in this particular situation, he needs to figure it out because they're in the process of playing the last game of elimination. And those things, you have to make adjustments as a player to be effective out there on the floor. And if you're getting played out your game, physical and buying into the strategy of quote-unquote Batman or whoever Dwight Howard wants to be in this scenario, the boogeyman for Jokic. He needs to figure it out and get Dwight off the floor, play him off the floor, vice versa. Well, a single game plus minus doesn't mean a ton, but Jokic was plus two in this game. So, I mean, the Nuggets are successful in his minutes, whatever that means. Now, part of this, I think Malone in the next game needs to go to that Jokic post-up early and often. Jokic needs to shoot 30 times, not 13. He took six shots in the first half, and all I could think of was after watching every single game that this team has played this year, okay, so they were saving him up for the third, and he's probably going to take like 12 to 14 the rest of the way. And Obviously, the foul trouble kept him on the bench quite a bit. He still wound up playing 36 minutes in this game. So you need him to be more aggressive uh, to a certain degree. Like, he has got to shoot the ball more, but I think it starts in the post, and I'm with you. He's got to work to get Dwight off the court. He's got to make it so the AD has to guard him because that's the ultimate prize, right? Getting those early fouls on Anthony Davis, those first quarter fouls, trying to get Anthony Davis to defend differently for the rest of the game because, you know, the, the he's kind of been the unsung hero on the defensive end. Like, we keep talking about what Anthony Davis is doing offensively, but his looming presence as the backline helper has really caused Denver to have to change things quite a bit. I mean, you see guys passing out to the corners a lot when they're getting that initial penetration. And I think that, you know, if you can get Anthony Davis in foul trouble, you can take away some of that to a large degree. So we do agree there. Yeah, Vogel's done an incredible job of giving Anthony Davis more freedom 
and allowing him to be a defensive menace. Absolutely. Uh, by the way, Dwight Howard, Batman. I, I'm not, I think he's more like the Riddler because he's annoying, but he's also effective. Uh, but <laughs> he, but he only plays a small role. He only had 22 and a half minutes. He only had two fouls in 22 and a half minutes. I don't think Dwight Howard's done that since like 2008. So good for him on that one. Um, but the big thing with Jokic. He only played two and a half minutes less than LeBron. It's not like the foul trouble took him out on the court for a demonstrable amount of time that changed his game. It was that he only had two free throw attempts. He went six for 13. So did Jeremy Grant. Jeremy mm-hmm. Grant had more scoring usage than, uh, than Jokic did this game, which is insane. Um, you know, Jokic, you know what? Jokic only had one turnover. Frankly, I would be happier to see Jokic have 12 free throw attempts and three turnovers than this. He Five was turnovers, man. Sure. He was when, passive. When he's having his best games, He's throwing the ball all over the place, and sometimes guys aren't ready for it. And tonight, he just they got him out of it early. And I think start, credit to Vogel. Starting to White was a difference maker. I actually thought that they should have done that in game two. I mean, this, this series could have been a sweep if they had done that, potentially. You know, I mean, we don't know. But I, I think that that was a great adjustment, and now Jokic has to come back in the next game and be ready. And I'll, I'll tell you, man, the Nuggets have struggled with their, with their fouling in their uh, front court all year. Millsap had five fouls in this. Jokic had five fouls. Uh, Murray had four somehow. Uh, Torrey Craig had five. I mean, this has been an issue for them. And it it stems from Jokic just not being uh, very good inside, right? Like, he's just not not all that athletic. His second jump's not great. Like, there's so many things there that, that caused them to struggle defensively and to foul too much. But they've got to do a better job of getting early fouls on the Lakers. I mean, no Lakers starter had over three fouls in this game. That's unacceptable. Well, the Lakers defense all night was very good. And the biggest indicator of that to me is Jamal Murray's three-point attempts. He had three three-point attempts tonight. He was 0 of 3. And it's really not even the 0 for that tells me how good they were. It's just that he only took three. And I think huge credit to, to Vogel and to KCP, who is maybe like the most unsung hero for the Lakers. He, I thought that KCP was very good tonight. And he had some big shots as well. But before we wrap up here, we haven't done justice to Jamal Murray's night because it was another terrific game. And it was early in the game. Uh, Andrew, I just want to kick to you just because I, I did I missed my chance to compare him as a more controlled, not reckless Russell Westbrook. Uh, but the way that he is playing in the air so far, and then you combine that with the unreal up and under heavy English shot, it was like comp- it was like combining Michael Jordan with Pete Maravich. It was absolutely unreal. I mean, just give me a quick take on just how spectacular Jamal has been. Yeah, I mean he he finds his spots, and his spot is literally anywhere on the court right now. I mean, the confidence that he's playing with in the bubble is is almost unmatched. I mean, I I, I can't think of another guy. Maybe Tyler Hero is the only one, <laughs> the only other guy that's <laughs> playing with this supreme confidence. But man, like he, there's not a shot that he doesn't like, and you can't blame him because he's making these unbalanced shots. That I mean, that layup, it really was MJ esque. Like the the airtime, the just the acrobatics of it was just incredible. And he continues to just vault himself into like superstardom. And I just, I, I still just wonder a little bit like how much of this is the bubble and how much of this is that he really did just improve this much uh, over the layoff. I think that to me, that's as we get, you know, close to the off season, I just wonder like what that's going to look like for him because he looks, he appears to be a superstar. 
Uh, and I had never thought that until this playoff run. How, how funny is it for a guy to j- look like this in the playoffs? Because he did it last year, too. And in the regular season, it's like up and down. You know, yep. some, some days you have a great game. A lot of days for him, the floor is like 11 points. Right. That's not superstar floor. And, and then in this playoffs, the guy's been one of the three or four best players. Yeah. I mean, he, he, didn't, he didn't make the all-star team, and he also didn't make any of the snubs lists. You know, right. right. <laughs> he like, was rightfully not an all star. Yeah. He'd probably be second team all NBA now if we read the voting. Right. Piece of what we've been yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's for real. And the reason why the reason why I expect this to be sustainable is that the big change for him hasn't really been like it, there's not like a new skill. It's not like he's shooting 50 percent from three. It's that he is hyper aggressive, hyper confident, and he's reading traps and all sorts of defensive schemes and he's finding his way out of them very consistently. And he's just playing with this incredible athleticism and physicality and seeking contact that he just didn't have before. He's just he's developed the killer instinct that makes you a superstar. So I don't expect that to be going anywhere. The, you don't. Yeah, I still okay. I still want to know what his weight training looked like during during the hiatus because it's pretty obvious to me that he's added some strength and a little bit mm-hmm. of size too. But the strength is a big one, and you can see it in his finishing. Like he's actually creating space when he's going up. I mean, saw him got he got Dwight today. And that has been huge for him. So that's going to do it for today's show. Don't forget about the other basketball shows across the Athletic Podcast Network. We still have your favorite shows like the Athletic NBA show, No Dunks, Tampering, and House of Strauss, plus over a dozen team-specific shows available from some of your favorite Athletic Beat writers. And don't forget to follow on the app so you can get notifications for new episodes and you can utilize that podcast episode comment section. And if you're not a member of The Athletic, you're in luck because you can get all of our podcasts ad-free plus some fantastic writing across all major sports all for a super low price you can get a subscription today and all you got to do is go to theathletic.com slash daily ding you never know when these promos end so get there soon thank you as always for waking up with us gang ding ding me ding ding, ding. ding.